I'm Ray Rogers. And I'm Brad Kepler. You're listening to Fix This, a podcast exploring tech ideas and solutions to some of today's largest challenges. For the U.S., 2020 is a big year for civic engagement. It's a census year, which, by the way, is currently ongoing. So if you have not yet filled out your census form, pause us and go do that first. And it's also a presidential election year on top of the regular House and Senate elections and local elections. And it is not too late to register to vote. Check your registration status and make a plan to cast your vote. And it's the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which guaranteed and protected most women's constitutional right to vote in the U.S. So today's episode is in dedication to National Voter Registration Day. We chatted with two nonprofits to learn how cloud technology can be leveraged to engage and inform voters in civic processes. And first up is iCivics. And if you're a teacher or a student or have a child who is currently in K-12, you may already be familiar with this organization. They provide educational learning content, online games, and lesson plans to promote civics education. Their goal is to help students become active citizens. So to learn more about the interactive ways iCivics is striving to do this, Ray chatted with Dr. Emma Humphreys, Chief Education Officer at iCivics. Emma, what is iCivics? Who started it? Why was it created? iCivics is an ed tech nonprofit. We were founded by retired Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. And it's really because she was concerned about what she saw as a growing lack of civic knowledge in the United States. And she wanted to bring back civic education and reimagine it in a way that would make it meaningful, more engaging, more fun uh, for students. So more than anything, she believed that every generation of Americans had to be trained in the knowledge, the skills, the dispositions of self-governance in order to have a functioning democratic system. And something she used to always say was, you know, knowledge of our system is not passed down through the gene pool. You have to actually teach it uh, to each generation anew. So she founded iCivics with that purpose, and we started churning out video games. We're most known for our 20 video games that cover all branches of the government, politics and participation, civil liberties, local government. And so as a single-player role-playing experience, iCivics games are really democratic simulations that allow students to assume roles and participate in processes that they might not otherwise be able to do. So it's almost like the video games give you a chance not only to learn, but then to simulate what it would be like to go through those processes, which is a unique way of learning. Precisely. And they let you do that in a way that's sort of safe and not public, right? So if you mess up, if you fail, you get some feedback and you try again. And this is really important for kids who might have damaged school-based identities or might hesitate to participate publicly in the classroom. They're able to just play these games and take their knowledge, put them into practice, and, and understand what these processes mean and how they work in our overall democratic system. Can you tell me a little bit more about what students experience when they play these games? It's crazy because in the United States, we don't really teach government until you get right to that point. You are right on the cusp of citizenship. So we spend your entire education teaching students to be strong readers and to know how to do math and to prepare them for college and prepare them for careers and success in life. And we spend one semester teaching them how to be citizens. How young are some of the students that could really benefit from iCivics games? Does it start as young as elementary school? Yeah, it sure does. So our target age when we first started was to really hit that sort of middle grades, let's say sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. But we know from our metrics and we know from surveying and talking to teachers that our games are used as young as first, second, third grade, and all the way into law school. 
This really goes back to Justice O'Connor's lifelong belief that each generation needs to be taught about our constitutional principles and history and, and system of government. So our work is about reaching and teaching each new generation of young people to ensure they have adequate, if not extraordinary, really well done preparation for civic life and democratic citizenship. So at iCivics, we're, we're really playing the long game. We may not see scaled impact on civic health for some time, but when it starts to take hold, we believe we have the power to realize a, a thriving constitutional democracy. So for students who are not yet able to vote, what can they do to become more active participants in our democracy? So to take this knowledge and then really start applying it in other ways beyond voting? Yeah, the answer is a whole, whole lot. You know, we focus so much on voting because it's foundational to our democratic system of government. But for the most part, voting only happens a few times a year and it only takes a little bit of time. And for our kids, as you point out, they're not old enough to do it anyways or otherwise not eligible. But you can be an active participant in our system every single day. You can attend uh, local government meetings and hearings virtually or in person. You can watch the news. You can volunteer, whether it's for a community organization or a charity or a political campaign. You can talk to people about political issues, be it climate change or even just a new penny tax to fund your schools. And you can attend a demonstration or a protest, although I hope you'll do it safely. You mentioned here, listening to the news is one way to stay active. And there are a lot of different sources and media outlets out there. So how are we teaching the youth to be discerning in what they are consuming and to think critically about what they are watching or reading or otherwise encountering? When I think of citizenship, I think one of the most important things you can do is simply pay attention, watch the news, read the news, otherwise consume the news and, and care about what's happening. And the good news, of course, is that we have this incredible access to information. But the bad news is we have this incredible access to information and, and that information is not created equally or always with good intent. Enter the need for news literacy education and more broadly speaking, media literacy education. iCivics has free resources. We have entire units on teaching news literacy, on media literacy. And then my favorite game, Newsfeed Defenders, is all about news literacy. So you learn about how to apply the standards of journalism to information as you're consuming it in real time. And you're doing all of this in an authentic way. It's, it's built into a story. It's built into a narrative. You take on a character and you feel like you're part of it and that you're doing it for a reason. It's not just sort of this abstract, here's news literacy or here's federalism. You're actually applying it in a real situation. 2020 here in the U.S. is, of course, a big year because we're coming up on a presidential election. But there are also a couple of other really big historic things happening. It's a census year, and it's also the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which made it legal for some women to vote. What else is iCivics doing to engage students during this period beyond the election? 2020 was always going to be a big year in the U.S. long before anyone had heard of COVID-19. At iCivics, we're working to reach students with the election and beyond the election, and we're working to do so in a way that sort of meets them where they are in this very uncertain time, in this very sort of hybrid situation. So whether you're in the classroom, whether you're virtual at home like my third grader is, or some sort of hybrid situation, we want to make sure that our materials are sort of packaged and messaged in a way that they can still be used. So we're still going after that election. We're still talking about the census and the centennial of the 19th Amendment, but we're trying to do so in a way that's just a little bit more convenient, a little bit more timely, and a little bit more compelling um, because this year is just so, so difficult for everyone. Talk to me a little bit about what iCivics is doing with AWS and how we're helping to power your games. 
you know, what's so interesting about working for an ed tech organization during a pandemic is everyone sort of assumes that you're primed for this, that you're optimized for this situation. But for the most part, most ed tech companies, our solutions were always sort of predicated on kids being in a classroom with a teacher. So even though they're online and even though they're free, doesn't mean they're necessarily optimized for that. You know, a great example is in a presidential election year like this one, in the months leading up to an election, we're going to see a huge surge in traffic. And before our partnership with AWS, that traffic would have pushed us offline. And we might not even realize it until we get an email or a tweet at us saying like, hey, your servers are down or hey, we can't access one the White House right now. So now that doesn't happen. We see that surge coming and we're able to respond in real time to be more flexible as the traffic goes up and goes down, but really more than anything surges during an election year. I'm sure that there are many educators, parents, and even students who are listening to this and they would love to get started. So do you have any resources that you would like to call out? Yeah. So if students are younger than, say, 15, the the most important thing they can do is learn about the voting process and care about the voting process. Because we know that kids who learn about elections are 40% more likely to vote once they reach voting age. That's huge. That means we can really make a difference. And if you want to have your students understand that process, then I invite you to play our newly redesigned game, Cast Your Vote, that takes you through the process of voting in a local election. And and we chose local elections very deliberately because we know that for national elections, it's really easy to say, well, I'm a Republican, so I'm just going to choose all the candidates that have R's next to their name, or likewise, if I'm a Democrat. We're in a local election, that's not always so clear. And we don't use party identification in this game. So it really sort of forces you to go through that process of researching, attending town hall meetings, subscribing to emails, and otherwise engaging with candidates so you know who you want to vote for. So Cast Your Vote is a, is a great game for that purpose. If students are closer to voting age, our brand new Student Power Elections Guide, it's available for free download at iCivics.org, and it provides guidance on registering to vote as well as other ways to engage in an election beyond voting. Gamifying educational content is a great example of meeting students where they are. Learning can be fun, and being introduced to civics education at a young age will help students be informed and, hopefully, prepare them for a lifelong journey of being active citizens. So what's another way to encourage people to not only register to vote, but also to follow through and head to the polls? Music. Right now, we can't exactly visit venues or see and experience live music in the same way we previously could, but digital live-streamed concerts offer a great way to stay in touch with our favorite artists and provide a safe way to connect with live music, all while giving an incentive for people to head to the polls. With hundreds of artists set to take the virtual stage on November 3rd, election night, the hashtag IVotedConcertFestival aims to drive people to the polls. To RSVP to the online event, all you need to do is show a selfie with a blank mail-in ballot or a photo of you at your polling place. But don't worry, if you're not 18, you can still RSVP with a video saying when you will be 18 and when you will be eligible to vote. And it's not just cloud-powered live streaming that plays a big role in this story, it's also about data. Emily White, founder of Hashtag I Voted Concerts, chatted with Ray to share more. So to start, Emily, can you quickly introduce yourself? My name is Emily White. I'm the founder of Hashtag I Voted and the author of How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams. So why focus on voter turnout? I don't 
think that people automatically think of music concerts or music festivals when they're thinking of how to get people to go to the polls, but that is exactly what you did. Certainly, there's a strong history of of music and activism starting from the 1960s, so we're very proud to continue with that. Yeah, and this year isn't the first time that you've done this. So what did you do back in 2018 for the midterm elections? So I'm originally from Wisconsin, where the presidential election was decided in 2016 by 22,000 votes and change. And I was like, 22,000, that's our basketball arena. Why don't we put together some sort of concert and tie in voting? We activated over 150 venues in 37 states to let fans in on election night who show a selfie from outside of their polling place. All of these amazing acts performed, Billie Eilish, Maggie Rogers, Jim James, Living Color. And it was really just myself and an intern working on it. And it was an idea that the live industry and and artists really gravitated towards and, and got into. Yeah, that's really amazing and also massive. How are you able to pull all of this off? What does your team look like? You know, because we we were and are unfunded and it was just two people working on it. We're just really proud that we were able to be in over 150 venues in 37 states. It was just myself and an intern in 2018. And right now I'm leading a team of over 100 volunteers. Our executive team is 100% women and non-binary. Our booking team is over 70% women, non-binary and people of color. And I think it's just a huge example of representation. Our executive team, the higher level folks on our production team all come from really experienced music industry backgrounds. You know, we have production folks that have run Warp Tour, Lollapalooza, Austin City Limits. I was a tour manager a long time ago. But then kind of our base level volunteers are music business students. We've rallied a whole bunch of music business programs to help us with uh, volunteers at that end. But we also have not only MIT students, but some of the best high school math students in the country. Um, so they have just been phenomenal as far as data strategy and, and analysis. So yeah, so whether it's one of the best high school math students in the country or someone that you know is the production manager for Warp Tour, just the level of talent on the volunteer end and the industry end just continues to blow my mind. And everybody is just really focused and motivated on revolutionizing voter turnout in the music industry. So going from in-person to now an online event, how have you switched over to a digital format? We, like so many others, had to pivot under the pandemic. Obviously, the concert industry is is all but shut down. So now we're offering artists the opportunity to perform via webcast on election night. Fans can RSVP to access the stream with a selfie at home with their blank mail-in ballot. If they're not 18 by November 3rd, they can RSVP with a video letting us know what election they will be 18 for and why they're excited to vote. And if they're not a U.S. citizen, they can RSVP anyway. So we're very proud of the pivot into webcasting. And I actually think it has just expanded our reach for the future because we had a few pretty amazing national acts in 2018 that really wanted to participate in I Voted, but they were touring in Europe. So now when that happens post-vaccine, we can also offer them a webcast option if it's, you know, an artist who's touring outside of the United States. Your approach is also very data-driven. How do you go about booking talent and what role does data play in this? So instead of just reaching out to artists that we hope people will like, we partnered with Chartmetric and we've been contacting artists who are the top streaming artists in and or from each state. We started with my home state of Wisconsin and 80 artists confirmed out of that first data set of Wisconsin. Um, I believe as of today, we're up to 430 artists, which makes it 
the largest music quote festival of 2020, but it will also be the largest single night digital concert in history, all in support of voter turnout. And, and the list keeps growing. I, I realistically think we'll be at 700 artists by November 3rd, but you know, we're a hundred percent all volunteer team and, and they're working like crazy to make this all happen. So it'll be really exciting to see where we land on election night. How is the cloud helping you to put on this event? We're all over the place. We're all over the world. And when we're getting content in, that's stored in the cloud. We're all working completely remotely and, and digitally. So um, yeah, I would say across the board in the music industry, we'd be pretty lost without the cloud. What is your ultimate goal with the hashtag I Voted Concert series? Our goal is to revolutionize voter turnout. Billboard pulled a stat for us. I'm going to botch it, but you'll get the idea. 30% of young people vote, but almost 70% go to concerts. So we're definitely looking to bridge that gap. And so that's a huge goal of ours as well, to make voting exciting, cool, you know, get people thinking about it, actually doing it. And for me, this is how you make actual tangible change. And so we want to communicate that as clearly as possible. How can people really stay involved? How can they RSVP, learn more, see the artists, all of the good things? You can head over to ivotedconcerts.org. We have all the artists listed, you know, all the information for our RSVP system. And you can sign up for our email list over at ivotedconcerts.org to be the first in the loop on when our RSVP system goes live. There are so many ways to plug into the civic process to have your voice be heard. So this National Voter Registration Day takes some time to read up on what candidates and issues will be on your ballot, how to register to vote, and how to actually go vote, whether that's through a mail-in ballot, absentee early, or in person on election day. And maybe even check out an iCivics game to learn more or get motivated by catching a virtual concert with hashtag iVoted. This year is with every election. Remember, your vote matters. Thank you to our guests, Emma and Emily. To learn more, visit iCivics.org and iVotedConcerts.com. And thank you for tuning in. If you liked today's episode, please help us spread the word by rating the show, sharing with your friends and family, and subscribing for more stories. We'll catch you on the next one.